Uh, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Gospel reading for tomorrow is from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Um, it says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man who went down to his house this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Part of the Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you, Any Any thoughts that come to mind? Uh, you can bring that right up to modern day. I stay in the steps every day I step in that church, as do many others, but yet... church? Yeah, they go to church and think their actions are wrong. We do great, tremendous amount of suffering. That's neither here nor there. I have to say that um, uh, one of the things I went to confession about recently was kind of this, kind of like, um, I, I was phrasing it as a lack of humility. The Pharisee had a lack of humility, because um, which is the opposite of humility is, is pridefulness. Um, but I, um, I, I didn't call it pridefulness because it's it's a little like more subtle than that. Where you, I like how it was phrased in this because this is a different translation. This is not the same translation that they're going to use in the mass tomorrow. But uh, it said um, those who trusted in themselves, and and that's uh, kind of a thing that I fall into sometimes. Where uh, where you know I start trusting myself instead of God, and uh, you know. I, at work, I have these two. Um, I have two computer monitors, and uh, under one of them, I have the word humility, and the other one, patience. <laughs> and those are the two things that I really struggle with. And uh, I realize that uh, the humility one is uh, it's difficult. To, uh, it's something I need to practice more. And in this parable, the the uh, tax collector, uh, he was he was humble. I think it's a great idea because um, quick story about before COVID, the uh, principal gets up. This is a teacher meeting before students came for their classes, and we're in the auditorium. And he, he gave out index cards to everybody, and he said, "Okay, just put down one goal on this index card right away." I just thought to do God's will, so I stuck it on there, and then I stuck it on where my little desk is, where I do instruction, 
But I, I, I would like to add those. because It's just a reminder because you get so far from your face sometimes when you're either in your work situation or when I'm teaching. You guys maybe have experienced the same thing. But when you have those little reminders, I think they help to keep you grounded in your faith and what you should be focusing on. Real easy to come off the path, boy, I'll tell you. I've done it many a times, ended up in the brush. So it, it, it happens. I'm interested in what the Young Turks have to say. This is the first multi-generational meeting I've sat yeah, in. Yeah, it's true. And I'd like to hear what you guys have to say. Just comment on what you what you, what you think about the meeting. Just whatever, whatever comes to mind. Now we got multi multi <laughs> Yeah. I was thinking of something kind of specifically work-related. I um, I, don't get to, I, don't make any oh, yeah. I just mean like um, I guess I was just uh, you know I guess work's a big part of my life, and so I was thinking about it recently. Like I get frustrated, and uh, and I think one of the reasons I get frustrated is because I uh, it's like I I, I got to trust God more. Is the way I was I was feeling like there's a there's a peace, there's a sense of peace that comes from it, like um, in this parable of Pharisee, when he, um, you know, he's praying out, he's like, yeah, have mercy on me, a sinner, you got to just accept the fact that, you know, you're not perfect, you know, and, and, and uh, you don't, I guess God knows what was in this uh, Pharisee's heart, uh, or I'm sorry, the tax collector's heart, and it was probably something like, you know, uh, I guess whatever sin he was struggling with, uh, it was like he, he wanted to do good, he wasn't able to, and um, so it's kind of that same thing with me. It's like I somehow, somehow I get in this trap where like I'm trusting in myself too much, but I got to be like it's God's will, you know, even if it's something that I that I personally have, you know, uh, wouldn't wouldn't choose for myself. I got to trust. Yeah, God has a plan, and He's seeing me through. Yeah. How many people are in your place of work right now? Uh, there are about six six people. Okay. Do you find that the other people who you work with? Are grounded in their faith like you are, where they could be like the go-to people for you if it's a tough time at work on a given day. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and you know, kind of related to this. Um, uh, the so the guy who was telling himself, "Oh, I'm so good, I do all this stuff." It's like you know, he, he needed a reality check, and so I definitely some of my coworkers give me that reality check. Also, as a as a like, computer programmer, whenever there's bugs and stuff, and there's always bugs, and that, that's an exercise in humility. <laughs> do you ever do COBOL programming? Uh, no. no. Boy, that's dating. That's like 50. <laughs> that's back with the punch cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started on that. Dot makes printer on that. You know. Yeah, yeah I'm ancient. <laughs> I, uh, the one thing I could share is probably. Uh, Really, like just talking about work, you said work's a big part of your life, and it's a big part of my life, and everyone says, oh, it's just work, it's just work. But yeah, work is setting up our family for a lot of different things. So I think I struggle with um, wanting to make sure my work is strong, my bosses love what I'm doing, the paychecks will continue, and then not getting angry or not getting mad at a customer on a call, like having a good reaction saying, yeah, all I can control is what I can control. 
So I'm not going to, yeah, I might vent a little bit to a coworker to say, hey, how about that call? Yeah. But just trying to keep it all in perspective versus, hey, the work is important. It's easy to say, oh, don't worry about it. It's just work. Just worry about Jesus. But, yeah, so the balance, there's always a balance there for me. I pray to God every day to make me whole. And one of those things that they talked about this week is getting out there and doing things for other people. I'm uh, sort of laid back now. I don't do a lot of that, which I should. Well, there's one, there's one thing I learned a while ago through uh, a volunteer for a dynamic Catholic where she was confined to her home, an elderly person. Not that you can do this financially, but she basically bought a bunch of dynamic Catholic books. She even, like, once a day she would write a letter and then send a book to, like, family, friends, and after a while it just got to be, like, people she didn't even know. So she did that in her home every single day. Wow. It's just something different yeah. that she came up with because she couldn't go out and about like, like you, you just mentioned. You can do so much from where you are. I mean, you can go on a computer. Praying is easy, right? You can do it anywhere, anytime you want. Yes, tomorrow it's uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. We love Luke. <laughs> what do you think there, Luke? What do you think about these? I know, you know, you're a bunch of older guys, men, you know, but what's your feelings on this stuff? What you think what you can relate to? Just off the top, whatever comes to There's another gospel uh, where Jesus says the same thing about um, whoever humbles himself uh, will be exalted, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. It's when uh, they're having, um, when he goes to have a meal at, um, at, a, at a fancy house and he says that, you know, um, when you're going to a meal at a fancy ha- at a house, don't take like the seat of honor. Uh, instead, uh, go to the lowest place because um, if, if uh, you know, if, if someone else comes who's like a higher ranking than you, you may have to get moved down to the lower area. <laughs> but 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 uh, but maybe that the person uh, will see you down to the lower area and ask you to come up. Um, yeah, you're taking a fall from grace and it's almost tough. But when you're where I work, moving up is always things. What do you think about? I just want to hear from the younger generations, because I'm curious. I think a maybe easier question is uh, to ask people, you know, if they can think of times in their lives when when they've, uh, you know, tried to exalt themselves only to be humbled. Mm-hmm. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, that's easy to follow. Yeah. What's that song say? It's hard to be humble, and it is. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're you're out there. I mean, I I'm involved with something in our community, and you know, people say, "Oh, you're doing a great job," and it's Other people were involved in it, and sometimes you get caught up in it, and it, it's very difficult. You know, you, you have to. I think it's self-reality check sometimes. Hey, wait a minute, you're not you're not as good as you say you are. You know, you're not. It, it, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's,
thing I'm maybe um, we joke about me with uh, like basketball, these guys playing sports now, um, and I can't even watch my games, even though, yeah, okay, I did some good things, but I'm almost the opposite of that, and I, I almost look at them as seeing them, my pride comes through them now, and I'm kind of yeah. over of the past, yeah. um, which I, I kind of like. He does chapter. have a scoring record at Kirby Field. <laughs> <laughs> 43 points. Oh, there you go. You humbled yourself. Now it's, you're being as old. Yeah. My face red. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Move to the top of the table. Strike that from the record for me. We still got to watch that game together. We have a tape somewhere. Is that a record, Is that a record held at Lafayette? What's that? Is that a record held at Lafayette at 43 points? What do you want me to say? Didn't someone get 42? <laughs> there's an example yeah but you know honestly it's yeah i'm saying it's tough for Brian because to his kids even when i was little dad your father is like way up there on the pedestal your dad's got a, a history like everyone in this room has a great history yeah. as young people you want to know about it <coughs> but the challenge is is get everyone in this room is pretty humble and says we don't want to talk like the most boring thing like I never I meet people and it's a, such a great compliment like you never really talk about yourself I'm like good it's all systems go <laughs> that's the that's the, the plan um, but so it, yeah it's tough it's as you get older you should want to know about that and your mom and all that good stuff yeah but just to keep going with that this is this is just among us the fact that like Scott is probably one of the greatest uncles on the planet because he does so much. No, he is. If he doesn't know that, he, he is. Because he does so much for all of our kids. Look at all the pictures of all the events over the years. Like he has spent so much time out of his schedule to go watch all of you guys play sports, hang out, do this, that, and the other. But yeah, don't forget great. about that when you make it to the big leagues. <laughs> yeah, we want tickets. Yeah, well, everybody in this room, we're going to want a ticket. <laughs> See it live, just like a Phillies thing. Yeah, I'll, he, like he just—I just want to say, well, that he cooks for all the kids and they call him Uncle Pancakes. They can't say I don't want to talk about Pancakes. Yeah, we're not talking. We're talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One quick thing: when uh, Scott visited us, I don't know—I don't think I told you this. I should have, but um, Charlie, our five-year-old, looks oh, yeah. one of his brothers. Um, was going to bed and Kristen was you know, doing the normal routine and then he just started cry literally crying like to wet tears and she's like what's going on he's like I because he just realized that Uncle Scott was leaving in the morning and he was uh, like yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> so Kristen came and she's like oh my god I can't believe it. Charlie's crying I'm like all right I don't <laughs> that's great but I mean yeah, all the grandkids love them yeah Next, next topic. <laughs> Probably planning the trip down to Philadelphia for uh, for Christmas right now, right, Scott? Yeah. Well, I would ask, you know, what do what do all you guys do when you meet someone who's not humble? That, to me, that's tough. It's it's like, I don't want to listen to you, yeah. but you have to. You got to be patient, right? Yeah. You like Jesus? Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's what. Like, I work in a draconian environment where. <laughs> that, that was an everyday occurrence. And it's, it's difficult because they actually think that knowing all of them, they could be 
very judgmental and very harsh. And that you just got to roll with it. Pray harder, and, and that too shall pass. And you guys are great stories. Like when you're in that work environment, like does it help if you, not telling them, but just walk away from it, go on a little retreat away from it? Because that, that's like toxic. Yeah. Like it's so hard to listen to. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's toxic. You need, you need to move away from it. But, uh-huh. but you, need to, you need to move away from it permanently. easier to put your fault and grace to, for that to happen. And so it, it's, it's a harsh lesson, but you get through it. Yeah, some, sometimes when I'm uh, around someone who is, who is um, I guess, you know, uh, uh, a little too prideful, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell this thing about how, um, like, I think everyone is crazy. Everyone's Everyone in the world's crazy, and it's just the people who don't know that they're crazy that they have the problem. <laughs> and, so, um, and, and so, like, I know, I know my own sense of craziness and, and, and stuff, so, so I'm okay, I think. I know I'm crazy, but if, if someone does know they're crazy, that's, like, when they have a problem. So, so in this example, the Pharisee, you know, he, he's, like, you know, thinking, he's, like, I'm not crazy, I'm awesome. I do, do all this stuff, but no, everyone, everyone has problems. So I've actually said that um, before to, to, to someone, but um, they didn't get it. I think that's from the, the Catch-22, like the phrase where it came from, from oh. the book. Oh, really? Where the guy, he was trying, it was a funny book, and uh, the guy was, I don't know, I'm going to butcher it, but he was trying to get out of the military service, and he was talking to his friend, and he's like, I'm just going to go tell them I'm crazy. <laughs> and it was this whole thing, I, again, I don't... But it was like, well, if you're acknowledging, if you know you're crazy, then you're not crazy, so you're going to get out. So he's like, how do I do this? He couldn't figure out how he could get discharged for being crazy. It was a, whole, it was a catch-22. Yeah, it's funny. Because if, yeah, you, if you knew you were crazy, then you're good to go. <laughs> you're back in. Just say a little bit about Grandpa. My father was in a mental institution for uh, from the time I was four until he was 25. He passed away. We used to go see him every day. Every week, take lunches up, have a lunch out on the lawn, and all that. And uh, one thing I didn't like about him, he smoked like a fiend. His, both of his hands were all nicotine. Well, we loved going up there, and uh, I don't know if he thought he was crazy or not, but uh, I guess he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. But we just love seeing him going up there. And What's amazing is Scott did a lot of research with Ancestry.com. We just saw for the first time some video footage of him. Uh, yeah. He, he looked fine in the videos. First time any of us have ever seen them. And we actually yeah. went up to see him when Tommy was. You were, I was one. One. Because there's a picture of me. He's holding and, me. And he's holding yeah. you, right, yeah. yeah. And then that one time, the video you said you saw, he came out smoking a big cigar. Yeah. And he was funny, I'm telling you. And he didn't act crazy to us. And that's the truth. How many children did he have? Uh, Your father. Dad, I was uh, seven. Yeah. I'm number five. <laughs> Knocked out seven. <laughs> actually, wow. actually, when he was away, Mom raised us by herself, seven of us. Wow. It was unbelievable. I don't know how she did it. She used to, she used to run up the street. She said she's going away or somewhere. She got halfway up the block and she'd be coming back. 
Once a week, didn't she? Charismatic. Yeah. She went to the what? The ones that speak in tongues and all that? Yeah, yeah, for an hour or two. I remember that growing up, she went to it once a week. Yeah. Charismatic. To be honest, that's where I got my faith. And hopefully, I did something right for the kids. It seems like you guys are doing that. Right? <laughs> uh, Peter, I was going to say, you have the things on the monitor, right? That that's going to bring you back. Um, I think it'd be good to maybe not. said to Mark what I do is like teaching is just it's so challenging with different things that go on in a school building and I find places where I just go to go by myself yeah, I've actually written about it. I keep journals and I have some writing going on now as some of you know and some of my entries are about I find locations in my school I'll listen to music I'll write my journals and I just I go to get away from everybody so it was really hard for me couple weeks ago, and we, we do not understand this, but we have 25 math teachers, and our department of groom was taken away from us and was made into a classroom. That was like almost devastating. Because I went there every day to get away from everybody. And I'm like, are you guys kidding me? There's 25 of us. We need a room. So, yeah, so I was not happy with our, our supervisor's decision. And then he gave some suggestions. I did not even get back. I didn't respond to his email. I'm like, you got to be kidding you want me to try this place and that? Well, one, he said, why don't you try going to the English department? No, because <laughs> it's just, it's nothing but commotion they talk about and it's too distracting. And one other suggestion was just, no. So, yeah, but I, I just find places in my place of work to go. I know it sounds weird, but I'm in a building that's extremely cold, which shouldn't be. Um, I'll, just, I'll just step outside the front doors of our building. Nobody's there. They don't care. Yeah. It's just to get away from her. That that's what helps me. Something to try. I I um uh I like I was saying I have those things on my monitors, but I pretty much have a bunch of like artwork and symbols and stuff, like little things to remind me throughout the day. Like in uh, my apartment I have, you know, kinda like holy pictures and I got, uh, you know, in the common area, in my bedroom, and then um, even in my office, I got, like, you know, pictures up uh, to remind me, and, um, and every day I have, I, you know, I have a, a miraculous medal and a couple other medals and stuff, so, so uh, because frequently, like, when you're, uh, I guess to prevent myself from getting into a, getting off the path or, you know, or something like that. I just have little things to remind me all the time. Like in my phone, I have a picture of Jesus and a, and a prayer card and stuff. So. But also, because of part of my craziness, I forget things all the time. <laughs> so I need to be reminded. I just look at it like time being valuable. So if I go on a work trip and I'm just around people that aren't like the people we're describing, just 
I know you said, what if you can't get out of it? But I find it's, you yeah, can just be polite and move on. I want to spend time with the people I do uh, have commonality with just because there's only so much time uh, we have. And there's pressure on me because I'm traveling. I work from home all the time. So when I'm in the office two or three days, the clock's ticking. So I'll, I'll be engaged in meetings and, and conversations with people that I'm like, all right. <laughs> Hoping that they don't, people don't feel that way about me. But if they do, then they need to spend their time in more value, in more valuable way. There's articles on the online, uh, you know, five ways to kind of stop interacting with someone you don't like, <laughs> and they work every time. They were, I mean, you could tell people. I guess it was you. You could tell. Oh, you know what? I gotta go talk to someone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Later. So, yeah, it's kind of like the rip cord. Like, I can get out of this. I got three things in my back pocket. I, can, like, I, I don't want to do that, but I just let people talk themselves out. Yeah, people do that in the in the Zoom world of work. Oh, I have another call. <laughs> right, right. All right. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah. See ya. Well, I like the way you can actually make your phone ring. That's my dog call. Thomas, remember that girl? He said they get a life. You weren't there. I was playing soccer in the kitchen. There's guys in my golf league who I see them once a year, maybe twice a year. The same stories about the same people they know. And I hope I don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, just polite and move on. Yeah, go on to the next thing. But yeah, definitely see that. Hope it on my heart back. Me too. Just get me busy. Word book. I think Tom, you sent it to me, didn't you? I get it renewed every year, but it has the mass in there for every day of the year. So I say that, try to keep up with it. I mean, I read the gospel and all, and I try to reflect on it, but then, you know, I don't retain it too long. But at least at that moment, I'm
whatever situation you're in, good, bad, ugly, So that's what I want to open up to you guys. How do you interpret the will? God's will. This is my free will. That's that what got me into this mess because you can let Jesus off the hook every time. Because when something goes, wow, something's God's will. Very good. Very well. But, uh, man, you went into the river on the muck. That's your will. You made that call because of How do you guys handle wills? Yeah, so, so I've, people say that uh, you know, when they talk about God's will, uh, there's like this active will and passive will. And, and active meaning you know, taking action and passive meaning allow to happen. So, so um, even when bad things happen, you can say that it's God's will because he, he's almighty. You know, so he allowed it to yeah, happen. Allowed that. Uh, and so good supposed well, to come out. But, but in, that, in that sense... You know, in that sense, and I think that's what my brother was talking about, uh, was that it is God's will and that he's almighty, and so he allowed it to happen. But, um, and the way that I deal with uh, when, you know, it's kind of like the problem with evil, like why does God allow bad things to happen? And, uh, and that's where you mentioned this tapestry idea, and that's what I come back to all the time, yeah. because um, and re related to it, it's this uh, kind of analogy that I heard um, Dr. Peter Kreft uh, talk about one time, where he was saying that on, you know, in, in our earthly life, you know, um, it's kind of like we see, uh, you know how like a tapestry is a beautiful uh, weaving together of, of things, but, but if you just look at the back of it and you just look at like a small piece of it, it just looks like a bunch of loose threads of different colors and it doesn't make any sense. And so like on, on this side of things on earth, uh, you know, we, we have like a real close-up view of the back of the tapestry where we see a couple of loose threads and we're like, why, why is that thread there? Why does this happen? doesn't make any sense. But, um, uh, you know, when we um, are reunited with, with God and, like, in heaven, uh, we'll eventually get to see, you know, the beatific vision, which is the, the tapestry. You know, you see the front side, but you see how everything is woven together, how it's a beautiful uh, work of, of, you know, creation, and, and you understand why things are woven together in certain ways. And uh, you know it kind of takes some faith right now to to you know to trust in that. Um, but I uh, and so that's how that's how I look at it. So that's why like even you know the, your sufferings and stuff like that we don't understand why why it's happened. But um, I do have faith that um, you know. Uh, uh, Greater good will come. Yeah, yeah, and also um, you know at the mass when we receive the Eucharist, you know, just prayed that prayer of. Um, uh, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. That um, kind of like an exercise in, in, in faith, you know, that uh, you know, on this side of stuff we are imperfect and we deal with our imperfections, um, but, uh, but he has the ability to fully heal us, and, uh, and he will. And I really love that chapel. I, I know you, Keith, I got to give you all the credit because I was going to pass because of the hard work. You found me a chair. I just see the tapestry up there. school that that song that they sung we were kids we were his, his age when when they sang that was that was that was what they sang 50 years ago so it was nice I, and i enjoyed the icon and the, oh, it looked like it was very churchy
Getting back to what, uh, what Keith said, you might remember this. Um, I drove, Mark, when we came on retreat here, what, about five years ago, maybe six? I was homeless. Mark and I drove back from here, and what he brought up is what you and I were talking about, is the crosses that we have to bear in life, whatever yes. they are, and that, that, like he said, the greater good will come about. We just might not know what it is right now. Just yeah. just look to see what, what Christ did. It was one of the most barbaric, horrific things that have that has ever happened to a human being, but look at all the good that came about. Yeah. Look at us 2,000 years later. Look at how many people on this planet, probably several billion people, following Christ. And it started with him and 12 guys. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, that's where Keith, Keith, Keith <laughs> named the podcast Jesus and the Guys. <laughs> that's right. I ask God every day to give me the grace so that I can do his will every day. Because I know his will is a lot better than mine. So. <laughs> when you look at lives of the saints, they're all very humble people. St. Teresa, Mother Teresa, St. Nimoda. I mean, it, there's no... Uh, no, I don't think she wanted it all the accolades she got. She just wanted to serve the people of India. And uh, you know, there's where you're humble. Uh, you know, will be exalted. And she didn't ask for it. You know, she just that was her thing. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and sometimes we forget that service. Were you at that at the Oxford Valley for the, did I see you at the, at yeah. the movie? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. We just just two quick things about that yeah. is, one, just in case you guys don't know, Mother Teresa did not start her order until she was in her 40s. Yeah. So the way we know Mother Teresa in terms of all she did, she lived 40-some years before she started her ministry. And the second thing, mm -hmm. this so helped me, uh, at the very end, they apparently she kept a bunch of writings, or at least they found them, and she had extremely dark moments oh, yeah. many times during her lifetime, which I never knew. Yeah. I didn't know that. I had heard I'm like, wait, him. this saint had yeah. all these tough times? Like, and like God, where are you? Are, are you with me on this one? Why are you not responding to me? So if you have somebody like that, like you said, is extremely humble and doing all these good works, and then she had a tough time, then, yeah, we're all going to have tough times. Yeah. Yeah. Take the flip side. them tell you, you know, and, uh, you know, there's, you know, but that's where you have to, I think we all look at both sides of it, that this, this guy's a, he's a, you know, what, he slings it, and, you know, and somebody like her, and there's people we all know. I have a 
Ethiopian Ministries. guys, all your friends, you grow up, Thomas, you're a little older, guarantee you're depressed, you're miserable, go do something nice for somebody. It is foolproof. You'll feel better about life. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, it's an absolute thing. People have written books about it, documentaries. It's just the way they're, they're booking guys up with MRIs and their brainwaves change. <laughs> better I think it is when you do that reaching out and helping others I can't imagine not doing it Robert Barron talk about um, how sins uh, frequently there's like a, a turning inward is a sin where you like focus on yourself or you um, uh, and and so like like in the parable where the guy was thinking about himself he's like oh, I do all this good stuff and I'm not like that other guy it's like that <laughs> yeah, that that was an inward uh, facing thing whereas um, uh, yeah we are called to, to you know be you know, giving to give our give ourselves like you know because you say Jesus you know emptied himself and and, and you know in, in giving to up to others and, you know but that's, that's uh, what we're made for so that's why it does make you feel better getting back to the one thought you said about stranger etc just two quick things um, you guys know that the church of nativity who i'm following they have a new message series and um, they're talking about why we're weird as as a church and after that the priest said in his homily because normal wasn't working <laughs> um, it's great so so why are we weird and and people look at that and, and they are. It's like the, the biggest question he said in his homily is, um, "Is this a Catholic church?" That's the biggest question they get. And um, Church of the Nativity, Virginia, uh, Timonia, Maryland. Maryland. I'll take you down there sometime. So that was the one thing. And then look at look at Christ when he was here, like starting his um, his ministry for three years. Well, he did it for three years, but I mean, how strange was he when he was here? So we can use him as an example. But um, 
I tell my kids in class, I said, guys, you can call me anything you want. It's not going to bother me. If you call me strange, I'll say thank you. We're going to move on. <laughs> I don't care if you think I'm strange. Anybody? Come on. I just, that's, that's the way I am now. I wasn't like that like when I first started. Does anybody say you are? No, they won't. I was going to say you are. <laughs> and that's okay. And we're buddies. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, you're just weird. Yeah. Tom, you're just weird. You're not strange. You're weird. <laughs> but I like that. The fact, like he says, like normal wasn't working. I think, I think any church needs to look at what's not working. Because it's not. A lot of churches, it's not. I don't care what denomination you're in. It's not. I go to church here, too, every week. ChurchActivities.com. It's awesome. Check it out. Yeah, I went down with Tom. Uh, yeah, Keith and I went down. Oh, you yeah, went? Yeah. Well, Keith can tell you about it. Yeah. 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 That'll be a tool. I, I totally understand why people would ask, is this Catholic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So it was interesting. Is there a white collar in the building? Yeah. There was a priest. There is a priest. Yeah. Michael, Michael White. Yes, Father Michael and Father Mike. Um, but it's a series of doing now, like I said. Um, why we weird? Because normal wasn't working. Um, in his sermon this past week, um, I already told you the biggest question is, are, are, you know, are you guys Catholic? But, and I just threw a blank on the next thing I was about to tell you guys. Um, uh, oh, everything, yeah, he also said, and it's true, but everything in terms of canon law, what every other Catholic church does, they do. That's the biggest question people ask about. They do all that, but they do all these other things that, you know, they're like a bunch of carrots that bring the people in, whether it be the music or their message series or whatever it is. Um, I mean, they have hundreds of kids in there, and they have no school. They have no school. That's the biggest thing people ask me. Well, we don't have a school here at, at such and such. Well, they don't either, but they have between two and 300 kids who are involved in ministry. And they have over 200 parents who are regularly involved with helping. And people just look at you when you tell them that. But, you know, we've, we've offered it as a plan to our church, and it gets put on the, the back burner. It, doesn't, it hasn't gotten looked at in two and a half years. But we have presented it and said, these are great ideas. I, I even have one lady. She's in charge of evangelization in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, Megan Coakley. I politely wrote her a message when she sent, I'm on her monthly newsletter she sends out. And um, she knows about that church. And when she wrote back to me, she put the word Catholic in quotes. And I got back to her, she never got back to me. I was nice to her in the emails. But yeah, some people have their own perception about it, but they're just gonna stick to their guns, so to speak, and just keep doing the way they're doing it. And I mean, look at it. Well, in the same way that you know, we all have um, uh, we all have unique souls. Like everyone is distinct. Everyone's very unique individuals. At the same time, we have like uh, uh, there's the uh, uh, natural law that God has. It's in the same way, you know, the um, the church has you know the standard things, but then around the edges, every church can be unique, every individual is unique, it's actually good, you know, that type of variety is, is uh, uh, necessary for, for uh, life to flourish. Yeah. What's interesting is, like, their pastor is very humble. You would be surprised the things that they actually have at their church, which he's not 100% for, but as a leader, he knows that it works. Like, he doesn't like contemporary Christian music, but guess what they play every mass? That music, yeah, go figure. 
So that, that's a leader, <coughs> the fact that he finds, and he has a ton of people where he knows, like they have professional musicians at their masses. And it does, it makes it sound better, the, the music itself and the cantors. And, but, um, yeah, he realizes that I'm not going to agree with everything, but I know this works for getting people to come back to church. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So the people who put your style, you bring all these ideas and stuff, they put it on the back burner. Brian, it never gets talked about. They put it again. in the trash can. But yeah, yeah they're, they're, on the train. They'd but burn they're it. not incentivized because that's just human nature. So how do you how could you ever change the incentives for the people who are charged? These um, things that they do. Yeah, some people they, are never going to change. Are they costly? Are they free? Is it a mix? Like what? Could you just say I'm doing this rogue? Or how how about we talk that? basics? Um, like Christ taught us to be disciples. Like some churches are not disciples. Uh, Christ taught us to evangelize. Some churches don't evangelize. Um, like faith formation should be a big thing in any church. I know it's not big at our church. So these are these are main concepts within Christianity, but I know for a fact that they don't get done. I'm just talking the church where I belong. I just feel like you have to bring whatever their motivations are to the table. Like even if it's, hey, we we did some projections and we think if we add 750 people, that's going to be this number of dollars, then that, that might be that person's motivation. Like, wow, that would really help us. All right, tell me more about how we can increase our, uh, the people coming into church. Everyone wants to know what's in it for me. So what's in it for her? you got to meet them where they are. Yeah. Well, that, that's the other thing. In the Catholic Church, you have what's called a pastoral council. And um, the lay people like us on the council, it's been two and a half years where they do, we're, we're the liaison between the parishioners and the leadership within the church. And so they don't want our ideas. That doesn't make any sense. But they don't. That's, it's been two and a half years now. And this is they don't need them. Yeah. 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 If she pulled out her charts, she would see church attendance going like this. But apparently she just. Uh, I mean, some you guys can address. You guys belong with Saint John. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of yeah. have a, a mixed view on things. Like I feel like um, uh, you know the change always starts at an individual level, and so like I try to focus on what I can do. Uh, in, in terms of getting the, the church as a whole to, to, to change, I'm not sure other, other than, you know, than you know, pr praying about it and um, like, I don't know, I, uh, I, don't, I, I don't like that type of contemporary Christian music, but uh, I, you know, I did enjoy that, that mass. I don't think, like if, me personally, I would go to, uh, uh, I would go to like the, the St. John's type mass that we have right now, just because that's what that's I prefer. Fun. That's great. But um, the other ideas about like ha evangelization and small groups and stuff like we tried to do small groups with the men's group, and you guys have brought back the um, the bakery basket for like some type of fellowship. I agree that you know <laughs> I like how you gotta you kind of kind of challenge the system in order to to uh, keep it keep it fresh. You know, it's the same. You know, you gotta challenge the culture uh, to keep it fresh. You gotta challenge the church to keep it keep it honest and yeah. stuff. And so. Like what you said is true. Those are just things that Jesus specifically taught about, you know, discipleship and evangelization. Um, I think we do pretty good with the works of mercy, like, uh, but um, but the um, but those other aspects, yeah. So that, yeah, I mean, the church isn't perfect. It deserves to be criticized, um, just like, uh, and we should always strive for for being better. Um, well, the one idea I like from this retreat is I'm going to focus on the more, which I think I do now, but one-on-one -on -one discipleship. So it, it takes me back to, it's called the starfish poem, the kids on the beach. Some of you guys have heard of this, sorry if I repeat it, Bill, and maybe Mark and Keith. 
but there's a kid on the beach, and there's thousands of starfish on the beach, and there's a guy from a distance watching this kid. Kid, kid picks up a starfish, throws it in the ocean. It takes a few more steps, picks up a starfish, throws it in the ocean. They keep doing this. And the guy comes up, and if you don't know anything about starfish, they need the water to survive. And so the guy comes up and he says, what are you doing? The kid doesn't say anything, picks up a starfish, throws it in the ocean. He said, there, I just made a difference in the life of that one. So that's my philosophy leaving here tomorrow, is to focus on the one-on-one -on -one discipleship, because I think that's going to work for me. The whole church thing is not working for me, with trying to get a whole church to do certain things, because... It's not working for a lot of people. Though. Yeah, I know. People want to be... Just one thing you have to excuse me. I have to go to the bathroom and make arrangements. But the Archdiocese of San Francisco really has me up at night because they have the Gubbio project going on out there where they've opened up their campus to the needy, like we thought the church should do. They have doctors come on campus, dentists come on campus, and this really is shaking up the people because it's like, oh my God, what you, we're helping the poor and the needy, and they're and they're and they're looking at it and say, wait a second, this is a place of spirituality. It's almost like you have to feel it. <laughs> We, 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 we don't we, have to help the world. Yeah, we're, we're not going to. This is a place of spirituality. you got to go do this somewhere else. So they're doing it now. The Archbishop of San Francisco, he was so arrogant. He installed, you talk about being humbled. He installed a sprinkler system. 30 feet off the ground, a sprinkler system, because there's alcoves in, these, in, this, in this chapel. Every half hour for 75 seconds, water came down out of these to chase the people that were trying to. Get they out of the shelter. Philly. They did this in Philly about five years ago. They did it. Yeah, so they have these sprinkler systems because there's nothing like being soaking wet. It's going to move you along because you want to be dry. And they quickly dismantled that in San Francisco. They always do it like fast because they said, you know, what's coming next? Gas? Or anything? <laughs> yeah. that's, a, well, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. But I'm, I'm telling you, keep an eye on this Gubbio project. I think it's St. Bartholomew's. And I've had. Vince Bodner has gone through there. I have a friend, Jimmy Care, they, they fly, and they say it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dumpster fire out there, San Francisco. But you don't see that because, you know, you see the baseball, football, you know, the, the, the whole bit. But um, that they really have opened up their church grounds to those in need. And, 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 I'm, and I'm all for that. Why not? I, you know, but, but again, it, it really takes people back. It rocks them back that... This, this poverty is so close to you now. Well, yeah, but that's the realities of life, and that's what we're trying to help. So I, I don't know. You guys comment on that? Well, we, we got uh, dinner in 10 minutes, so we'll uh, end it with a, with a, with a prayer here. Thank you for having us. You're part of the Jesus guys, man. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Oh, Mary. Frozen. 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 Okay, yeah. Dinner time. Here we go. Thank you, guys. Very good. Very good.